This is your Wednesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Newsy show today. Lots to get to. Um, Brad Childress, former Vikings head coach, will join me here in a few minutes to talk about Bunch of different things, you know, wanted to get his perspective on Vikings head coaching, um, the process of a job search, Kirk Cousins, a lot of different cool things that Brad and I got to talk about. Really enjoyed catching up with him a little bit more, so I hope you do as well. That's coming up, like I said, in just a few minutes. Got to have a Vikings update on their general manager search. Sounds like they are down to possibly one with uh, with Ryan Poles taking the Bears job. Uh, looks like it would be a Bubiquisi Adolfo Mensa from the Browns, or they would have to kind of start over again. So we'll be interested to see what happens with that. David Ortiz into the Hall of Fame. You might remember he was a twin at one time, probably not wearing a twin's cap into the Hall of Fame. And Aaron Rodgers just can't stop talking. And uh, so we're going to not stop talking about him which unfortunately is probably just what he wants but you know what sometimes you got to do what you got to do but first what did I miss Timberwolves on Tuesday night important game you know we we talk about important I throw that word around sometimes again these are you know one of 82 um, contests in the NBA so important is a relative term but listen they, they went into this game at Portland with a 23-23 and 23 record, they did not play a good first half at all. Anthony Edwards was about the only bright spot in the first half, but they were only down eight at halftime after not playing well. Portland, not a great team this year. You know, Bob, they're, they're missing Damian Lillard. He had surgery not long ago, um, they, but they've been playing better lately. I believe they'd won six of their last eight games going into that one, so they were a team that had started to figure some things out even without Lillard, so... Wolves down eight at halftime, start to chip away, end up going ahead in the third quarter, fall behind a little bit in the fourth, but then have a big, massive you know, run. Anthony Edwards keys a lot of that. They get up big. Then Portland comes back on them, ties it late on a C.J. McCollum three-pointer before D'Angelo Russell wins it at the end. Um, goaltending call on Portland, sealing the, the game for the Wolves. They win 109 107. So important. Why is it important? Well, important in a few ways. One, gets them over that 500 mark again. You know, they've been down below that mark for quite some time. They've been, you know, been above it at certain points this season. But, you know, getting back over that mark, they'd, they'd struggled to do that. They'd gotten to that mark a couple times, but uh, but uh, not uh, not been able to get over that spot. So getting over that mark feels significant, even if it's not permanent. Two, losing that game could have been the start of something bad. Next games are against Golden State, Phoenix, uh, Utah, like three tough, tough matchups, probably the three best teams in the West. Sorry, Memphis, but you know, so you lose this one, you could be starting a losing skid that uh, that could that could bring you pretty far down in the standings. So Winning this one is part of the first of a three-game road trip when, again, the next two are Golden State and Phoenix. Felt important to me as well, especially since, you know, they're going to have some back-to-backs in there as well. That's going to be a challenge for the Wolves in, uh, in, in you know, getting down the stretch here. Lastly, Anthony Edwards took over this game. 40 points in the game. Had some great 
uh, post-game comments. You can read those in Chris Hines' game story, StarTribune, StarTribune.com. Um, 40 points in the game was probably the, the highlight of the whole thing for the Wolves. They, you know, like I said, they didn't play great at the beginning, but he was the one that had had it going from the beginning. And, you know, just a game where he takes over, and we've seen it before. It's not brand new, but, you know, second-year player um, taking over a game that his team needed to win to uh, to feel good about itself. That's a good sign for the Wolves and Anthony Edwards. Another step maybe in his process of becoming the player they hope he can become and already, frankly, is becoming at this point. So good win for the Wolves, big win for the Wolves at Portland, and we'll see if they can keep that momentum going in the rest of this tough road trip. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Really happy to have back on Daily Delivery, Brad Childress, former Vikings head coach, of course, now happily retired in Florida. He's much warmer than you are, much warmer than I am. Uh, Brad, how you doing? Doing very well, Michael. How are you? I am doing very well as well, trying to stay warm. But the good football helps. Um, this past weekend of games, Brad, was about as good as I've seen for a you know, it's the four game stretch of a uh, of a divisional round. Not much, not sure how much you got to watch. I know you've got a lot of grandkids that you're keeping track of these days, but what, what, maybe just your general impressions of the football action over the weekend. Well, I'll tell you what, there, there are some great matching, some great um, performances, obviously some great plus and minus, minus situational football that a guy like me likes to look at. But, I mean, I agree with you, Michael. I don't think I've seen four games as compelling as those four stacked on top of each other. Obviously, you have some rooting interests. There's professional, personal rooting interests still throughout the league, a big one. Obviously, Kansas City, where you know Andy Reid very well. You were in, you know, in that organization as they were, I think, preparing to draft Patrick Mahomes and got an early look at him You know, as he was kind of preparing to be that kind of quarterback of the future they, they come back and win that game they have 13 seconds to get it to get the game tying field goal they, they do that they win in overtime um I, a how how do you how do you go go down the field like that so quickly and and b just watching patrick mahomes just kind of you know from the beginning of his journey to now how, how do you describe the quarterback he has become yeah, I mean he's he, he's gotten better in so many different ways, uh, Michael. Uh, the arm talent was all, always evident, whether it was at Texas Tech or or going against uh, our defense on the scout team. So you you always got to be able to see things he did, and you'd kind of you, you'd wonder if he could make that turnover to an NFL football game, which obviously he's had the ability to do that. Um, and then the the situational football, the things that he's aware of, how he's grown in the last three or four years. I don't know that he could have accomplished that in year one, um, but there he is here in year four, uh, finding a way to win with 13 seconds to go. Now, the the play that got them into field goal range, I mean, there was two plays, but the, gate, the, the play that got them, you know, down to the 30, we found out, you know, in the post game that that was more or less 
improvised. That was not the route that Travis Kelsey was supposed to run. That was, you know, him just kind of recognizing what the defense was doing. He and Mahomes communicating. How common is that? I guess when, when you're, when you, you know, players are going to play, but you also draw things up a certain way. How common is it for, you know, trusted players to kind of freelance on a play like that, especially one that's, you know, so critical in a game. Well, it's, it's more common than you think. And I go back to Brett Favre. Everybody remembers the Monday night game against the 49ers where he hit Greg Lewis in the back of the end zone and he toe tapped for a touchdown. But as that drive uh, was going on, uh, he kept telling the outside relievers to receivers to do something different than the play that was called in. Um, so it was a four seams and he had two hitches on the outside that he could always throw it away to. Um, I was upset at the time, but hearing the re- rationale and the reasoning afterwards made sense. And so it, it's a little bit more common than you think. I, I could see exactly what Patrick was talking about. And that's what comes with a lot of practice reps. Uh, he knew Travis, instead of running a corner, was going to nod and run a skinny post. And uh, that's how they were able to create that. And it's something that was completely off the cuff. It's got to be a certain amount of trust you would have. You wouldn't, you would, if Brett Favre does it, it's one thing. If, if a, a rookie is trying it, that's probably another thing, right? It is. And I've seen guys cut uh, b- because of that. Mike Holmgren cut a quarterback that automatic out of a play to a play uh, during the preseason. Uh, so that autonomy is not always there. An amazing uh, weekend of quarterback play, not just Patrick Mahomes. I mean, we we watch Josh Allen. That's a special talent as well. And, you know, two of the all-time greats go out in that round with, with Aaron Rodgers and, and Tom Brady. I feel, kind of felt like a, a, a changing of the guard is maybe the, the wrong way to, to put it, but you, you got a pretty good look at the future and, you know, just these mobile quarterbacks with these big arms. And it feels like that position is going to be in pretty good shape for years to come. Yeah, I would say specifically in, in the AFC, there's there's lots of young new quarterbacks that I think have a chance to improve and um, make their mark. There are some that already have. And and then the NFC, like as you mentioned, the old guard of Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, uh, to, to, to say they would have both gotten beat at home, I think you, you probably made, would, would have made a lot of money uh, if you bet on that. Speaking of that, we, we do have betting on that now. So, <laughs> yeah, the NFL has come a little bit, uh, you know, since you were head coach, that has changed quite a bit. Uh, the league used to run away from gambling as fast as it could. And now it seems like it's a little bit more, uh, more accepting, a little bit more mainstream uh, in that regard. Um, Brad, I want to ask you, you know, you may have heard, I'm sure you have, the Vikings are, are going through a coaching search right now. Uh, I'm just kind of curious if you can, how much you remember about the process of getting hired by the Vikings. This was, you know, we're talking about, you know, probably going back almost, uh, you know, almost probably 16 years ago now or something, something thereabouts, you know, the very early part of 2006 when, you know, they're trying to make a decision, they're trying to figure out what they want to do going forward. They've, they've, you know, they've fired Mike Tyson are now looking for a new head coach. What's that process like of, you know, going through that coaching search from your end? Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I laugh at myself, Michael, when I talk about I had an agent, you know, because it just sounds like, come on, you had an agent. Well, you, you have an agent, so it takes 
it takes the pressure off of you. You're not the guy that's uh, uh, selling yourself. You're not the guy that's always on the phone. So you could, you, you could focus on what I was doing at the time. And that was uh, finishing up an, an NFL season at the Eagles. Um, so you get little uh, references. Uh, you have people in the media to call you to tell you, I, I've heard this. Um, but till you get the phone call from the organization that wants to talk to you, uh, you can't really take it seriously. And, and, and so I can remember uh, the last player had walked out of my office on, on a, a Monday after the game, you know, just getting in front of all those guys after our season was finished. And then about a half an hour later, uh, Ziggy and Mark and Rob Brzezinski and Kevin Warren were on a, uh, a, a conference call. And um, they said, we want to come out. We want to want you to interview. And I said, look, I've guys, the guy just left my office an hour ago. I said, what's tomorrow look like? I can go home. And he said, well, we've got a plane sitting there for you right now. So we'd like for you to get on that plane tonight, which I ended up hurrying home, taking a shower, you know, I had my paperwork all ready um, and flew out there. And the interview started, you know, eight thirty, nine o'clock central time. And uh, we talked, till about two 30 in the morning that first night. And then it continued on the next day. And they said, Hey, one caveat, do you care if Bud Grant comes and sits on the meeting? <laughs> so I, I was a little uh, wide eyed. That's like saying, how, how about Vince Lombardi coming and watching your coaching interview? Um, but Bud was tremendous. Um, he, he didn't say much, but it was kind of like EF Hutton. When he spoke, everybody looked down to that in the table and listened. Um, to what he had to say about being a head coach. And uh, it ended up being an honor and, you know, probably the best thing is I ended up getting the job. Are they asking you, are they trying to get to know you? Are they asking you like how you would run things? Are they asking like specific football questions? Like how, where's that conversation go over that, that initial, you know, five hours and whatever happens the next day too. Yeah. You know, it's, it's very wide ranging. I'll put it that way. Um, And and I think the thing that that, that you lose sight of the fact sometimes, Michael, is you're interviewing with them for their job. But at the same time, what I asked Bud in a private meeting was, who are the Wilfs? Because you're getting ready to take a job. You want to know who you're throwing in with. So, uh, yeah, everything from family situation, start in coaching, um, all the way to uh, how do you select a roster? How many offensive linemen will you keep? What what does your roster makeup look like for the fifty three man roster? Uh, how about a game day? How, those those type of things. Who should be in charge of personnel? That type of thing. So, I mean, enough where I had a book full of stuff to talk to. I may have handed out some uh, pamphlets. I think of who my potential staff was going to be. We talked about those people. Um, and then I had to collect all those pamphlets because I didn't want them to have all those, uh, of course, unless I got the job. (laughs) That makes sense. And so you, I mean, you get the job, you get hired, um, you know, you're, you're there for, you know, four full seasons plus part of 2010. Um, one thing I'm curious about uh, just in terms of the, the working dynamic between a head coach and the personnel department. And obviously, you know, structures are different, different places, but the Vikings are also, you know, in the process very soon of hiring a new general manager because Rick Spielman was also 
let go with when Mike Zimmer was let go. From your perspective, how do how does the head coach and the personnel department kind of work together? How how was it in your experience? How does it work best, and how does it fall apart sometimes? You know, I I, I think it has to be hand in glove. Um, the, the personnel, it, while you're coaching the football team, the personnel guy, of course, has a whole staff that's looking at people in the upcoming draft which is really none of your concern as you go through the fall and coach the football team um, where the personnel guy is involved is for instance, if you have injuries, he's got to have a short lift of tight ends that, that, that if you're a multiple tight end team, you need to be working out somebody on a Monday right after the game. So he has to do that work on a Sunday night, call an agent, get a flight, make sure a guy can get in town so he can work out typically on a Tuesday. And there's times where we had, uh, lots of bodies in there working out um, just because we wanted to have a book on those guys. But a lot of it was necessity as well. If you lost an offense or defensive lineman or a defensive back, who's on the street? So the, the personnel guy has to be able to organize all that and keep you abreast of, hey, I've got this guy coming in here. He's going to work out tomorrow for our guys. Can Eric Bianami run the workout or can uh, George Stewart run the workout? We got a wide receiver coming in. Or is Carl Dunbar going to coach the defense? You know, would he put him through drills? So it, it, it really has to be hand in glove because uh, time is usually of the essence in, in all those situations. I hesitate to ask you this because I'm sure it's a far less pleasant memory than getting hired by the Vikings, but we, we haven't really heard from Mike Zimmer since he was let go about two weeks ago now. What is it like when you are when you lose that job? When when someone says we don't want you to do this anymore, you're you're fired from this job. Well, you, you know it. It's not fun. I'll tell you that. Um, it's probably not fun for your family more than anything else, um, because as we talked about, social media being what it is, some people can't keep their eyes off of those things. Um, but you know, I was able to say to the Wilfs guys, you understand that everything I ever did was in the interest of Minnesota Vikings. And Mark and Ziggy were great about that. And uh, I talked to him about Leslie and, and presumed that he would be the interim coach. Um, where did he want to meet him? Did he want to meet him in my office and I'll get out of here? Or do you want to meet him down at the end of the hallway? Those are all the kind of things that happen on your way out the door. Um, and then things come to a, a, a stop very quickly and it gets quiet very quickly and and uh it's almost like you have the plague you don't talk to people unless they're your good friends pick up the phone and tell you get your head out of your rear end and, and uh keep going you're a good football coach so uh the stop is dramatic and and uh, the quiet starts almost immediately you did you know wind up with a lot of other organizations after you left minnesota but never did get that second chance to be a head coach in, in the NFL. As you look back on that, is that a major disappointment or do you just feel like that was, you know, you, you had your shot and at least you had that shot? Yeah. I have to look at it. Like I had my shot and, and did it the way I wanted to do it. You always have to do it that way. Uh, and I think, I think Michael, if, if, if we're honest, uh, my agent used to tell me the sweet spot for these head coaching jobs that we're finding, uh, is 49 to 51. Well, I think you can take that demographic now and safely say everybody wants Sean McVay. So let's move it back to between 30 and 40. 
Um, I, I think that's the wave we're seeing. I think it's a young man's game, and uh, that's the way I see it moving right now. As you think about you know the Vikings going forward, I think there's kind of a rule of opposites that works in coaching hires sometimes. So I think you're right. They might be looking young and offensive minded. That said, it, it's kind of a you can kind of go all over the map with with what you with what you want. But do you do you do you imagine have you have you seen that play out in in coaching hires as you imagine them that they've been you know when one team has one thing they want something else when they when they make a change. Uh, I've, I've seen it quite often, uh, whether it was, uh, going from Jim Fossil when I was coaching in the NFC East to, to Tom Coughlin, um, you know, somebody has been on fire offensively, but they need their defense to be better. Um, I, I think you see that, um, Tony Dungy moved into those situations where they needed to solidify the defense. And then, Oh, by the way, just happened to have Peyton Manning as his quarterback. Um, so had to espouse some of his take care of the ball mentality to Peyton. But I, I think you see a lot of that um, uh, strict disciplinarian, uh, a guy that maybe is a, a little bit better communicator, all, all those things I think that are taken into account. And it all comes down to leadership, um, whether you're leading the organization, the staff, the, 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 the football players, um, that's what it comes back to. If you were given just, out of the blue, a second chance to be a head coach right now. What's, I guess, what's one thing you might do differently from your first time around or, or what's one thing that you would say, this is, this is who I am and this is how I'm going to do this the second time around too. Yeah, I suppose I would, I would delegate a little bit more. Um, you know, it's, it's not a great thing to be wanting to be in every room for every decision, for every coverage you're going to play or route you're going to run. Um, I probably would have delegated more. I usually left the defensive guys alone, but the offensive guys, I never left alone. And, and uh, I could see myself doing a little bit less of that. Uh, and, and uh, maybe not being as hypocritical as I could be. A couple more things for you, Brad, enjoying this conversation here on daily delivery. A big question for whoever is hired by the Vikings is the future of, the quarterback position. I think, you know, I were chatting even before the the segment started, you know, Kirk cousins, you can do much worse than Kirk cousins, but we've also seen some of these young dynamic quarterbacks that are, you know, like I said, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. So you saw a lot of Joe Burrow with, with Cincinnati. It's not a sure thing when you try to find that next person, but you know, as you think about the Vikings in this quarterback position, and I just say the name Kirk Cousins to you. What 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 springs to mind as you evaluate him? Well, having been in, in uh, Minnesota for the last three years that he's been there, I would say by now he's a very polarizing figure. I don't think anybody's going to disagree with that. Um, I, I think you know, just like kind of we referenced 33 touchdowns, seven interception, that's a pretty good ratio. That's the same thing that Favre threw in the good year he had. I know we're we're 10 years removed from that. Um, but I think he's a good person. He's a good leader. Uh, I think he knows his limitations, which I, I think is important at that position. Um, I think he's a, a accurate thrower. I think he's a non-time thrower. Um, and I think he's a good person who works in his profession. I just think before you offload somebody, you better have a secession plan. Um, and I can point back to Kansas city, you know, Alex Smith wasn't very happy, but he didn't have long 
to finish playing um, when we drafted Patrick Mahomes. Somewhere you better be thinking about who's next up, who's next. Because when if you don't have a guy, you're always looking for a guy. Last thing, Brad, I like that answer. Um, you know, you're, I think we've, we talked a little bit about retirement, like what, what's, what's life like for you right now? I think people will be interested to know kind of what, what Brad Childress is up to outside of football. Yeah. Trying to stay in the warm weather as much as possible and, and shovel as little snow as I can. Um, uh, I've got grandkids that play hockey. So I'm, I'm, I get in the hockey rink and watch them once in a while. Um, I, I spend time in Florida and all the kids come down here and visit in Florida during spring break. Uh, I get out and walk every day, uh, try to pick up my exercise, which kind of fell off um, in my last years there. Um, and just trying to stay healthy. That's, that's the biggest thing. Enjoy my wife. I, 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 I don't mind telling you, I sit at TV and watch all the Chicago fire, Chicago med, Chicago police, all those kind of things. I watch this is us, uh, um, you know, I know it's on TV now. And then of course I'm in front of screen for all the football games. I still love that. And I just don't have to put up with any of the irritation of losing uh, uh, at the last second or winning at the last second. Who you like this weekend? Are you just going to watch, uh, watch dispassionately with, with a neutral eye? No, uh, of course I'm pulling for, for Kansas city. Um, I love what the, what the Cincinnati Bengals represent and what they've done. Uh, I know a couple of guys on that staff, but I know more on Kansas city staff. And, uh, and then I'm, I'm kind of pulling for San Francisco and Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, who's an Illinois guy played at Hershey high school. There was a pretty good middle linebacker. I bet you didn't know that. Michael. I did not know that I did. And Jimmy Garoppolo was a middle linebacker. He was, he was a hell of a middle linebacker. Yeah. He was sideline to sideline guy at, at least, at least for a while before he went to Eastern Illinois, he was probably a quarterback. his uh, his senior year. Um, but I, I, I kind of got a soft spot in my heart for San Francisco and, and, uh, George Kittle, Jimmy G just the brand of football they play. It's been a great playoffs, Brad. It was great catching up with you as well. Let's make this a, at least an annual tradition where you visit a daily delivery right around the Super Bowl. All right. Yeah, let's do it. Appreciate it, Brad. Take care. All right, Michael. Great catching up with Brad Childress. He was uh, one of the very first guests on this podcast, which was almost exactly a year ago. I should mention February 1st is the one-year anniversary of Daily Delivery. have a little special content for you next week around that. But, yeah, he's really interesting uh, guy to talk to, especially you know in retrospect, him looking back on some of the things from his career. Loved the, uh, the insights into what goes into the job process what goes into the interview process I thought that was really interesting stuff from Brad Childress and timely too because it sounds like the Vikings are going to be getting pretty close to hiring their new general manager like I said at the beginning of the show Ryan Poles takes the Bears job Adolfo Mensa from the Browns would appear to be the lone favorite now um, we'll see how uh, how how his talks with the team on Tuesday went um, but we'll, uh, you know, that that could be a signal that we're getting pretty close to the end of this search. Could be some updating to uh, to all of this very soon. So look forward, look forward to that maybe later on today, even if we're if we're uh, talking about timelines. Speaking of timelines, Aaron Rodgers went on the Pat McAfee show Tuesday and said he will decide his future 
by late February. He doesn't want to be disrespectful to the organization. Not going to play this out like Brett Favre did back in the day. And I'm sure Aaron Rodgers didn't love the constant hemming and hawing of Aaron Rodgers because it affected him back then as well. Um, that said, he, he just can't stop talking about how he is perceived. He's, you know, like I called him a pseudo-intellectual in a blog post of the day. I think that is accurate. He kind of talks a lot of times like a college freshman who just took his first psychology class or just took his first uh, philosophy class and now is an expert on everything. But he uh, he said uh, he said on the Pat McAfee show, there were a ton of people tuning in, rooting against us for one reason and one reason only, talking about that Sunday, I'm sorry, that Saturday loss to San Francisco. It's because of my vaccination status and them wanting to see us lose so they could pile on. Maybe a tiny bit of that, Aaron, but mostly is the smugness with which you carry yourself. That is the reason people are rooting against you. Not one specific single action item. It is everything about you, even though you are, as I have said numerous times, the greatest player I've ever seen throw a football. The contrast there is staggering. You can't, I can't, people have a hard time separating the person from the player, and I think that played out Saturday. Certainly the vaccine stuff this year played into it, played into his personality, but that is by far, Aaron, not the only reason people were rooting against the Packers if they were. Let's finish with the cooler. David Ortiz going into the Hall of Fame. Found that out on Tuesday. Got about 77% of the vote. Just barely cleared. It doesn't matter. It's like when I passed my driver's test. Just barely made it. But you know what? If you make it, you make it. You don't have to redo it. You got in. Good for Big Pappy. I'm sure uh, Twins fans are still lamenting the decision about 20 years ago of the Twins letting Ortiz go. Of course, goes on to Boston. Has a great career. Um, but, you know, good for him, good for Big Pappy. Congrats on that. Probably wearing a Boston hat in, not a Twins hat, just a hunch on that one. That will do it for today. Thanks so much for joining Daily Delivery. I think I'm going to have Rachel Blount on uh, Thursday's show to talk Olympics. She will be headed to Beijing very soon, along with Lavelle E. Neal III from our paper. Lots of stuff to get ready for that. Those winter games, not too far along. So, Hope you enjoyed today. Hope you'll enjoy tomorrow. We'll be back at it on Thursday.